What is going on, guys, and welcome back to the PickSwap Podcast. My name is Sean Bernard, as always, here with my guy, James Verain, ahead of a busy weekend in the world of James Verain. But we're here to talk about the the Sixers today. Uh, it's been a, I guess, turbulent couple days in the Sixers world, coming back off the All-Star break. I don't think anybody had too high of a hopes with the Joel Embiid circumstance and everything that's going down. But we do want to check in a little status report for a couple key members of the team. Tobias Harris, the stock has never been lower. Tyrese Maxey still giving me some reasons for hope. And we do have a Joel Embiid injury update to get into. So ready to dig all in, into all of that. And James, I'm going to throw it to you right away. If I had said to you, coming out of the All-Star break, that they would beat the Cleveland Cavaliers and then lose to the Milwaukee Bucks and Boston Celtics, your reaction would be what? Sure. Um, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. It's, it's, an, uh, it's an interesting thing that they have the Cavs number, both at home yeah. and, and on the road, which is nice. They're frauds. But, yeah, I'm not. I mean... Good for them. I'm happy they're having a good season, I guess. They're like the lesser of all the evils in the East, if I had to put it that way. But um, I'm not like – I'll put it to you this way, Sean. I've watched these games, and the only thing in my mind is if Joel is playing, I don't feel like they're – I don't feel like the Sixers are afraid of anybody in a playoff series. And I know that yeah. maybe sounds like kind of weird seeing that they've lost all these games and they got crushed by the the Bucks. Um, not too long ago on national TV. All their games are on national TV when they're getting their ass kicked. It feels like too many, too many. too many teams, dude. What, what yeah. are we doing? Um, it's tough when Joel's not in, but dude, I'm not, you know, we'll get into the Joel stuff in a little bit. I feel really, really good when he comes back, if I'm being completely honest. And I feel like it's going to be sooner than we think. Maybe, I don't know. But either way, I think I'm excited for the playoffs. I actually put some money um, on the Sixers to win the Eastern Conference and for the Sixers okay. to win the championship today. So I'm financially invested as much as I am emotionally invested. Love it. Um, which can only make it worse. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And uh, yeah, I think, to be honest, Joel Embiid's MVP case should have only strengthened after watching this team. That it is ridiculous the amount of holes he covers up on this roster. And we see how limited so many of these players are. Nico Batum is a guy that I'll throw out as a primetime example. We have gassed him up throughout the season, and I still feel that way, that next to Joel Embiid, he's a pretty much perfect player, that he makes quick decisions, makes great entry passes, is has a ready catch-and-shoot guy that has one of the quickest releases we've seen. But when you take away the MVP of the league, Joel Embiid, he looks like a pretty limited basketball player out there, and uh, he's a guy who's seen his minutes cut. He's essentially functioning as the backup center right now, which is pretty telling for how the outlook is on Mo Bamba at this point in time. And there's a lot to get into about this. Uh, I, I do want to start with a little good vibes moment. We have not spoken about this guy very much yet. Ricky Council the fourth to me has been probably the biggest storyline with the Sixers team from a positive standpoint. Uh, to read off his stats in that Celtics game specifically, which I thought he popped off the page, played 19 minutes in that, finished with 16 points and four boards, made his impact felt from an athletic standpoint, the way that he just attacked the basket, his body control, but his just will and effort level is off the charts. What's kind of your uh, thought process for what you've seen from Ricky so far? 
Yeah, man. Every game I become more of a fan of uh, Ricky Council. He's there's there's intangible skills that some guys have, and, and Maxi has that motor that you talk about, and kind of just like it never seems like he's tired. Council is the same way, obviously not playing the, the same amount of minutes, but he looks like a guy that doesn't matter if it's minute one or if it's minute forty eight, he is going to be out there, you know, putting everything into it. So he's he's fantastic to watch. It's one of those things that. You know, it kind of makes the Jaden Springer, like moving on from Jaden Springer, feel a little bit better that, you know, and you kind of have a guy that's playing somewhat of a similar role, maybe even more versatile in a lot of ways. Yeah, better than Jaden Springer. Jaden, he's better than Jaden Springer, like yeah. right now. Um, Obviously, there's still like, I think the handle is the biggest thing, like, and I'm really excited for him to come into next season. I think that, you know, all things stay the same here and he comes back for next season. He's a guy that I think would be you know, a massive piece to the, the bench rotation, given a little bit of a better jump shot and really just tightening up the handle. Sometimes he's a little bit haywire going to the basket, but dude, he's got that knack to him getting to the free throw line. He, he yeah. doesn't even just, he doesn't like attract contact. He seeks it out and he's yeah. so physical, which is something that a lot of guys don't have. And it's not like he's baiting fouls. He just is ready for carnage at the rim and he's, you know, he welcomes that. So it's really interesting to watch him play and, and him just be able to step in. And, you know, he's one of those kids that he's ready. He's just ready to go. And it doesn't seem like any moment is too big for him. So he ready to, he's ready to step in. And, you know, as these forwards are aging on this current team, he's a guy that, you know, in that 3-4 spot will, you know, maybe take up some minutes here towards the end of the season, which I, I don't doubt. And I'm looking forward to it because he's a really nice guy to have on the team. And it seems like guys are like comfortable giving him the rock and like letting yeah. him go at it. So um, that's an interesting piece to it too. But I've been obviously very encouraged by Ricky Council. Yeah, that has stood out to me as well that this is a guy who's an undrafted free agent on a two-way contract. And there's moments, uh, obviously some of this is by necessity for the state of the Sixers, but there's moments throughout the game where guys are just like, let's let Ricky cook. And he's doing well with it. That. The way that he attacks the rim is super impressive. It looks bizarre. It looks out of control at times, but he's finishing at a super high rate. And as far as obviously small sample size, so I'll put that out as my disclaimer here, but the highest free throw rates in the NBA this season, Ricky Council ranks fourth across the entire league. As far as the most free throws per 36 minutes, there's only two players in the league averaging more. That's Giannis and Joel Embiid. That's kind of the rate that he's attacking. And I do think those numbers will obviously settle down as we get a larger sample size. I love kind of the frantic just a way that he plays, the way that he attacks every moment he's out there. And like, I, I'm still not sure how I feel about him from an overall role perspective or positional standpoint. Right now, he's just a guy that like, I've liked the looks of the small ball lineups was essentially have been either Batum or Tobias as the technical center, but it's largely been Ricky Council being the big man duties with that as far as getting up for rebounds. He, he skies for boards. He gets grown yeah. man rebounds, too. So I'm all in on Ricky Council. I think the Sixers need to transform that into a traditional NBA contract and take him off a two-way contract, give him one of the Sam Hankey special, special four-year deals. There's no, no doubt in my mind that guy is going to be a rotation player for a significant amount of time. And the sooner the Sixers can get him under organizational control, the better, because I'm in on Ricky Council the fourth. He's done everything to win me over. And one of the areas of his game which is particularly stood out and i'm kind of going to kind of juxtapose this with tobias harris here is with tobias we're seeing such like a conscious effort to get him involved try and get him going interrupt the entire flow of the team to get him his look 
Ricky is making the most out of really nothing. Like he's getting put back slams. He's getting second chance points. There's really not a lot drawn in transition. He's been terrific. It's a lot of him making opportunities out of nothing. And to kind of swing this into the negative side of things with Tobias Harris, it's been the exact opposite that he's been a ball stopper. He's been, I had a guy tweet out me today, the shout out H uh, for saying that he turned into Jonah Bolden, which I do appreciate that callback, but is this the worst stretch of basketball we've ever seen Tobias Harris play? Yeah, probably. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to like have some. I wanted the nuance take there, but there's not much more to say. It's pretty brutal. He's he has the unique ability to find the times where his skill set is needed the most and do the least with it. He's always <laughs> like he's always had these good stretches, you know, alongside Joel or, or when Ben was here and or when Harden was here and, and sometimes they had some success together and he finds a way, man, when it's like, Tobias, we need you to step up, you know, the, hold the scoring down a little bit, you know, be a primary defender, attack the boards, you know, do Tobias stuff. He's like, now I'm good. I'm going to just shoot like three of 19. I think the most frustrating part of it is um, at least recently is, the lack of hustle from him the the honestly like the adherence to even thinking about rebounding or getting on the floor i know the the charge stat is always brought up about how he has (laughs) never taken a charge and zero 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 charge which is like i honestly like it's hard to do to draw like to not draw it accidentally happen all the time like 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 you find yourself under the basket and you're like oh your only option is to take the charge it's it's honestly like it's disheartening because I thought at the minimum Tobias would at least be earnest and like heart, have some heart on him, but he does not right now. And that's frustrating because they really need to win these games. They're in an actual race right now to avoid the play in with like three or four teams. They need him and he is just nowhere to be found. And that's really frustrating. I feel personally offended by the effort level yeah. that Tobias Harris is putting yeah. out on the floor. And I don't know what more he needs that like, obviously Joel Embiid's out. Obviously this is a guy on a contract year. Finally at the, the expiration of that 15 year contract, the Sixers inked him to, it feels like. And then you just look at like him going through the motions out there and him having zero interest in rebounding. And it's, it is insane for a team that already had rebounding issues to lose Joel Embiid. And then for Tobias seemingly not to care about that. And, I do think like in his jar of hearts, he wants to be good. Obviously, I don't think he's point shaving, even though it's looked like it for points of time. But like with Tobias, again, I circle back to like, I don't get the defining quality. There's no specific skill set that this team needs. And when he's playing bad, I feel like it hurts this team more so than anybody. Obviously, because they're so reliant on him. I guess the only kind of counterpoint to it is where do you go from here? Like, What's the other options? I, I did like, I thought it was notable in that Celtics game that Nick Nurse pulled him out like three minutes into that third quarter. And he really sat kind of during the meat of that when the game was being decided. The Celtics ultimately pulled away and Tobias checked back in towards the end of the third quarter. But that was a little different from the normal substitution pattern. What do you think Nick Nurse's level of leash with Tobias Harris currently is? Um, I, I mean, I think right now you don't have a lot of choice, right? Like right. you just don't have... Um, you know, obviously we love Nico, but not not a solo scorer by any means, not volume scoring. Like Ricky obviously has done a great job, but he's still an undrafted rookie. Like at the end of the day, uh, it's really hard to, to entrust him with a lot of scoring, um, you know, responsibility. 
obviously, you know, Maxie's done a great job and we'll, we'll talk about him um, over the last couple of games, but you know, now Melton's out and, and Buddy Heald, I feel like teams have just decided like, yeah, we're not going to let him get free shots. They're not going to let him get open. Um, and you've seen him struggle a little Sixers, bit. Sixers have done a pretty bad job of forcing him looks to or getting him opportunity. I thought they did a much better job in the early games. I think that's been more on the Sixers end than opponents from my read of it. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think, you know, sometimes it comes naturally his gravity and you're able yeah. to just kind of capitalize on that. And it felt like they did that. Maybe, you know, there needs to be some updated sets and different things that come with, you know, Buddy Heald and, and what he does bring to the table, but it does not feel like he's getting a lot of open looks. So when when you're kind of coming to that, like Paul Reed, like he's not he's not an offensive engine, right? There is really only one other guy that you can look at aside from Maxi that's like has tenure, has the ability, has proven the ability to be somewhat of a hub of offense. Obviously, we're not in a spot where we're, you know, loving Tobias Harris. We've dealt with it for far too long to to think that way, but he is necessary right now. There's not a lot of other options that you have. Like Robert Covington has been out for forever. Like there's nobody else that you can really turn to at this point. Kelly Oubre is, we're, in, we're also in kind of like a bad Kelly Oubre stretch. Like when his role is increased, it's very frustrating sometimes the way that he plays. So like, there's not a lot of other ways you can turn, not a lot of other places to look. So you need for him to go through this. You can't really maneuver around it because he is necessary right now. That being said, I think on playoff time, you know, say Covington's healthy, say everyone is around. I don't think that Tobias Harris has earned his right to be a 35, 30, 35 minute a night guy. Like I think that he should be in a spot where unless he is on one, yeah, his minutes are looking more like 24 to 28. And I think that 28 is on the high end. There's far too many guys. If you have Covington and Batum available that do a lot of the things that he should be doing at a better rate. And they don't fuck everything up to be completely honest. Like sometimes he just, he just ruins things the way that they play. It's so frustrating with him. So I think the leash right now has to be long because of the current situation. But you know, once it it comes down to it and it's a playoff series, if he's this bad, dude, he can't play. Yeah, no, I'm totally with you. And he absolutely has not earned his way into being guaranteed in the closing line and we're guaranteed to play 30 minutes a game in the way that he's been treated really throughout his six years tenure. He's absolutely played far better than he has right now. And I do think that there's a, a mental component to this that I think that you can make the argument that it would only make things worse by pulling him right now, specifically yeah. while they're shorthanded. And frankly, it's kind of one of those things where Tobias just has to play his way out of this. You got to sit and wait. And you did mention Kelly Oubre there. I'll say, like, watching this version of Tobias Harris has made me appreciate Kelly Oubre more. Is <laughs> yeah. Kelly frustrating? Is he make poor decisions? Does he lead the league in missed dunks by has to be, like, a massive margin? All absolutely true. But at least I see effort on an every single play basis with Kelly Oubre. That, that dude tries every single night. And I'll live with the the growing pains because of that. And, again, the, the Tobias Harris scene has made that so obvious to me. And, by the way, I... I I saw a little bit floating out there for some Trey Turner treatment for Tobias Harris. A little bit of that on the timeline. Here's the difference is with Trey Turner, there's still this guy that you knew to be this super high level baseball player that you're hoping can get back to that. He played better after it. I wouldn't say he still reached the expectations for that. Tobias Harris, we know what he is. We know exactly what type of player he is at this point. There is not that much room for him to go up from here. He's not magically getting better because there's a standing ovation. Sure, maybe he marginally improves himself and figures out how to hit a 10-footer again. But, like, 
this is just a very different situation from that. And I think like I, I, just treat him like a normal basketball player, man. He'll he'll find his way out of this, but that would be absolutely insane to me. Yeah, I we can just move on from that. I don't even really feel like we have to entertain that, to be honest. But I, like he he will like we've talked about this before. Like there's this he is a roller coaster of a player that always finds the median of just like being fine. He will just be fine. Like maybe he comes back from this horrible stretch with like a pretty good stretch, but he's going to come back to just being fine. And like at the end of the day, again, like well, I've, I think the frustrating part for me about all of this is like being on Twitter, seeing the way people react to this stuff, being completely honest, nothing matters until Joel is on the floor, until he is fully ready to go. And they're in a series like unless Joel is on the floor, nothing else matters. Tobias will be a fine is being completely honest, like fine role player. He'll be a fine role player that gets paid way too much, but that's what he's going to be. And they have 40 million, but like, it's, you know, it's the last potentially what 25, 30 games of Tobias. Harris has to be, it has to be, it, it has to be, (laughs) (laughs) it has to be. There's really, if it's like a minimum signing, I still want to go part of it. I've reached the point. It's not even like overpaid. It's like I straight up don't think he can be on a championship team. I, I just don't think he's built for it. I, I don't I don't even care to get into the semantics of it. I don't want to I don't want him around anymore. Like and that sucks to say. That like hurts to say out loud, but like I don't I just can't. I can't go play for the Pistons, man. Please. And dude, honestly, anywhere. Like anywhere. Go have fun. I don't know. Where where is he where's Tobias from? Uh it's a good question. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know he can play. He can play any. I would love it if he joins the Knicks, man. Go play for the Heat. Go play for no, the he, Celtics, bro. Let's make that happen. The, he should play for the Nets. That's okay. where he belongs. Yeah, that that was, I can see that. That's where he is. He just like people would just forget that he exists on the Nets. They they aren't a real team. We forget he exists on the Sixers, man. True. Anyway, I, what I'm trying to say at the end of the day is he will be fine on this team as you know playing the minutes that he does. At some points, like when they were playing really well, some of those little minutes where he was coming in and, and you know, being an offensive, um, like they're running plays for him at times. Um, I remember specifically that Denver Nuggets game at home. They went to him early in that for, that fourth quarter. And in, in vacuum situations where it's like, hey, this is what we need you to do. You have a very defined six-minute role. He can do that. And that's all they're going to ask of him once the time comes where Joel is there. They're going to have a lot of other options and a lot of other guys that can – you know, help this team. So I, I try not to get too worked up about it. He's, he's incredibly frustrating. He might be the most frustrating player I've ever, uh, Ben was here for a while, but <laughs> yeah. anyway, it's, I just, I don't even like, I don't even want to deal with it anymore. Like you just got to kind of have a longer lens in my opinion. Yeah. All right. Let's jump to one more positive before we shift towards the injury stuff and outlook stuff. Tyrese Maxey, dude, I, I continue to be imp- impressed by that guy. And I'll, I'll speak to the Celtics performance specifically here. To me, this is notable for a couple different reasons. For starters, that he's really struggled against the Celtics throughout his career. That that has been a team with the length, with the, the amount of really good defenders that the team has. They've done a really tough job of guarding Tyrese Maxey. I thought in that loss on Tuesday, obviously the wheels came off in the second half and the Celtics ended up in a pretty convincing win, an 18-point victory, 117-99 to was the final. That first half, 
Tyrese Maxey looked like the best player on the floor, and that includes Jason Tatum. That includes Jalen Brown, Derek White, Chris Stapps, Porzingis. It was Tyrese Maxey was running that entire game. He finished this matchup in 37 minutes with 32 points, five assists, three rebounds, shot 12 of 24 from the field, also had two steals and a block. I think that was the best defensive game of his career. I thought he was locking up Jalen Brown, picking his pocket in a way that and letting him know about it in a way that we haven't really yeah. seen that there was some trash talk in his face. I could not be happier from what I'm seeing from Tyrese Maxey. And I know it's not something that's going to equate to winning a lot of games or really be sustainable, but it's very cool to see him be the number one guy and go through these growing pains right now. Yeah, I think he's taking it personally, which is yeah. important for a guy that's in his spot. And, and to be honest, like if we want to be, if we want to hold the standard to the standard, hey man, it's year four. Like you're an all star. Yeah, you. It's time. Like it's time for you to step up. And, and I think he's obviously been preparing for this and he's ready for it. Um, but I think a lot of times, especially with a guy like Tyrese, who has a kind of outplayed expectations, is we forget that like, dude, you got named to be an all star. You were playing with those guys. It's it's we are all ready for you to be that guy. And it's given him the opportunity now to show that to, you know, on a, on a larger stage with Joel out, but it's also now empowering him. Like, I think, again, this is a really good thing come playoff time. Like there's going to be moments where the other team is going to do everything in their power to stop Joel. Who's going to be next. And yeah. Tyrese is, is not only capable, I think he's willing and he has the want to. So it's important for, for these games with him to, continue to you know even through struggles against teams that you've struggled against like the Celtics who are long and have great defensive guards and and protect the rim really well and do everything annoyingly well he is able to now go into that and say I kicked your ass on both ends of the floor and when I have my guy with me it's going to be a little bit different next time so yeah. I love that um I think it's it's important for him to continue having these moments and these games and you know there's not much left to prove for him obviously without Joel on the floor um, this playoff run, I think, is going to be huge for him, though. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you mentioned his guy coming back, the lead singer, as Pat Bev has coined him. Joel Embiid spoke to the media for the first time since carrying the meniscus, since being out injured, having the surgery, all these things. And we did finally get to see it directly from his mouth, to hear what he had to say, talked a little bit. He did acknowledge that he'd been battling injury for several weeks before that particular incident and whether that was re-aggravation or making the situation worse or whatever the situation is, but definitely something that had lingered. He also was very open that he plans to come back this season regardless of what the team is, what seed they're in at that point. He even went down to listing them all off, whether they're three, four, five, six, all the way down to 11, said, I don't care. <laughs> and one of the cool quotes that I, I thought he said was just expressing kind of the why, that that's the plan was the original quote for uh, for him coming back. And then he talked about how they have to evaluate him, all these things. But um, the quote that he that really jumped out to me from him is he talked about, quote, my mindset is playing basketball, playing as much as I can. For two months, I was not at 100 percent. I wasn't even close to it. And I just felt the need of giving it my all to my team and wanting to win because I know I can, you know, I can add that add to this basketball team. So that's nothing. different. So there's nothing different I would have done. This was very depressing, but the way I also look at it is that's another way to work on myself, on my body, and just get as healthy as possible. So all signs trending towards Joel doing everything possible to return. Is that a, absolutely a good thing in your book? Yeah, dude, I, lo I love just seeing him today. I think like that alone made me feel you know, just happier about the team. I know that they're in a, in a real tough spot right now, um, and they're going to have an uphill battle come playoff time. But I really do think like, you know, obviously being injured, missing time, it's never good, uh, yeah. especially for a guy like him. But 
this was a get right, right? Like he'd been dealing with his injury. You know, this was something that he had initially suffered a long time ago that he's finally getting fixed, that he's now rehabbing the right way. And obviously it's an aggressive rehab. He's come, he wants to come back as early as he can. They're going to be, I'm sure they're going to be as cautious as they can, but he wants to be back. They need him badly as we've, you know, spent the last 20 minutes talking about, but come this, this like this playoff run realistically, if he's, you know, fully recovered from this knee, it's as healthy as he's going to be. It's as refreshed as he's going to be. And if he was the best player in basketball by a pretty large margin yeah. on a hampered knee, Imagine when he comes back fully healthy, full strength, feeling good. Joel defensively is going to make such a massive difference. Like I, we could talk for an hour about how underrated his defense is, but he is going to be, you know, this playoff run is, is like really defining. I feel like in a lot of ways, it's a team that I think is as strongly built around him as they've had um, again, when everyone's healthy, but it gives him the opportunity, I think to ramp up to the end of the season, play some important games down the stretch and then go right into a playoff run where, you know, had he missed the, I mean, how many games has he missed? It's been what, three weeks. Yeah. Um, under 10 still, I feel definitely it's I, about that. Yeah. God, it's felt like a year, dude. Yeah. It, it, it does like feel like it's been forever. So I mean, the, the all-star break makes it feel longer than it was from a result standpoint. So, uh, yeah, but they need them. There's no doubt about it. And I guess, uh, to jump into like the seating conversation, do you yes. care how much they fall down the standings? I'd really love them not have to play a play-in tournament. Like again, at full strength, any of those teams that are down there at the bottom should be you shouldn't you shouldn't be worried. Although the Pacers are whatever, I'm not afraid of it. I'm not afraid of anybody. But yeah, I mean the Magic are good, the Pacers are good, the Bulls are trash, and the Hawks are trash. And the Hawks are only going to get worse, right? Trey's at is Trey Young out for the year, or he's out for the uh, same time? Extended period of time, but should be back. Okay. Uh, so I, I think I, we're we should be looking more at the top dogs here. That Boston. I don't give it. I don't care at all about who they play in the first round. If I'm being completely honest with you, like if you if you're bringing me the Cavs or the Bucks or the Knicks, again, like I think this it all goes back. You're gonna have to play these teams eventually. You're sure. gonna have to play one of these guys. I mean, do you want to avoid the Celtics to start for sure? But if you got to play them, dude. Who gives a shit if it's in round one or if it's in the Eastern Conference Finals or if it's in round yeah. two? Like, you have to go through them. If you want to win a championship, you got to beat at least three of these teams. So yeah. what's the difference? Obviously, I don't want them to have to play the play-in. I'd prefer them just to not have to play an additional two games or one game, depending. But aside from that, I, don't, I really, like if they're the sixth seed dude and they play the Bucks in the first round, I'm ready for it. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And that would be uh, the, the Doc Rivers layers, the Giannis, the Pat Bev. Yeah. They're plenty of ties in there so that would be electric um i do think the the eight seed is probably worst case scenario that i don't see a world where either the bulls or the hawks pass the sixers team even as currently standing that five and a half games back uh, it looks like the math there for the the current situation the pacers heat and sixers are kind of the ones and magic even are in this kind of gap together the magic i just I've the more I've watched them this year, the less I believe in them. That I feel like it's a bunch of talent there, but it's a bunch of mismatched parts. I don't think they got enough shooting. They're obviously still very young. I, I just am I, I don't have a lot of my optimism for the Sixers staying afloat, I think is more because of my pessimism for these other teams. The Pacers, yeah. although I'll, I will say Pascal Siakam looks like he's starting to find his fit within that roster, but I still think this team got off to a hot start and cooled off a little bit. The Heat, I will say, are scaring me a little bit. That they looked very good again, and that is frightening from a 
Yeah, yeah, they do. Uh, Kevin Love, ageless, and I don't know how they do it. But I guess the the bottom line is the Sixers continue. They have to focus on them. That it's all about getting Joel Embiid healthy. The only pushback I'll have to anything you said is I think we are underselling the legitimacy of what if he's just completely out of shape or what if he just doesn't isn't up to basketball speed. I will say Joel's a guy that's pretty used to playing through injuries and has been through this this type of show plenty of times before. But fitness has always been a bit of a question, and obviously he's been off his feet for a little bit. How much of a concern do you think that is? Uh, I mean, I, again, I, I guess so. It's one of Nothing those things you do about it. Yeah, there's yeah, there's a barrier to me of things that like might be true, but doesn't affect the outcome. Like he's going to have to play through it one way or another. Like there's, I feel like too many times, and you know, just in general with Sixers fans, like we're so we've dealt with so much bullshit that it's like it's always something. At some point, you got to like stop caring about the miscellaneous things that are going wrong, that are holding them back. Like at some point, every team is going to be going through some shit like that. Obviously, yeah. you know, not every team's best player has missed the last month, but every team is going through something, right? Everyone's going to have their drawbacks. Everyone's going to have the things that are are keeping them from playing at 100%. If Joel is healthy enough to be on the court, and I don't care how many games he got to, to warm up, I don't care how many practices he's had to get in shape, he's going to have to show up. And, like, it kind of just comes down to that. I think that he's, you know, shown that this year. You know, in previous seasons, it took him, like, a month and a half, two months to get ready to, like, into a season like October, November didn't even really matter to him. Yeah. Um, but he's like, he's got to be ready to, to come back into this late March and play 10 to 15 games that really matter in terms of seeding and then go right into a playoff. Like that's gotta be his mindset, which you is like he gets t- 10 to 15 games in. How many games are in April? Seven. Uh, let me pull up. I, I mean, it's, right it's now we're late March, late March. Yeah, we're 58 games in right now. So that's talking about 24 left in the season. Nah, he's not getting 15. Not 15, maybe 10. I'm thinking like three, man. I'm thinking like they've got three home games to close out. That's kind of what I'm expecting. Really? That I mean, yeah. It's March 1st now. So we got the surgery on February 6th. There's supposed to be a reevaluation period after four weeks, which would be next week. And they were open about that today. 10 weeks would push it or eight weeks would push it until um, April 6th, which would be two weeks left in the season. They're saying they want him back like on the court playing basketball late March. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So that would be ahead of the eight weeks. That would be probably more in that six week territory. I don't know. I'm either way. I just, yeah, either way. He's also going to be like, hopefully, you know, in these last two weeks of rehab to get to playing in late March or, or very early April, like he has to ramp up. He's got to play. Like obviously game speed is a little bit different. He's also been in the league for what, eight years now. Like he knows game speed. He's a guy that can just come in and play. He's playing at his own pace anyway. So I'm not going to allow myself to worry about it because he can't be concerned about it. So and I don't think Nick Nurse, like Nick Nurse is not Doc Rivers where it's like, well, you know, if, if I'm not a doctor, like, yeah, <laughs> he's Nick Nurse. He's going to be like, I don't care. Like he's got to play. So I think that's good. And and dude, I like, I love, I love what I've seen from Kyle Lowry. I'm really yeah. loving what obviously Buddy Heald, like they have a chance now to like, they got more layers than they've ever had. I don't know if this is the most talented roster they've ever had, but depth wise and layer wise, they're as deep as they've ever been. That and- is and form fitted around Joel for sure. Exactly. And you see that when he's out, they suck. Yeah. Like, because it's, and Paul Reed is getting all these minutes, dude. He's going to be playing 12 minutes a night, maybe. Like, 
and that's going to be great for him. He's going to come in, change the pace, do a little bit, a couple of things different. Like I like what they have going on. It just sucks because the, the main piece is not there, obviously. Yeah, and Paul Reed's been good. So shout out Paul Reed. Yeah, All right, two more, two more quick injury things. D'Anthony Melton totally oh, sucks, sucks, man. Yeah, he had the back injury last year. He missed 18 consecutive games with a back injury this year. The Sixers were very public about it not being related to last year's back injury. Returns for three games, was pulled after eight minutes in the Celtics matchup. He re-injured the back injury. He is out for the foreseeable future with no timeline at this point. Absolutely sucks. Your thoughts? Yeah, man, I feel I feel bad for him. He's been, you know, in the games that he's played, he's been so good, and he's oh, a yeah. really necessary skill set for this team. I feel also for him, this is a contract year for him, so mm-hmm. he's missing out on a major portion of a season where it could define his next five years, basically. Um, so it sucks for him. It sucks for us because he was really like, he's a guy that can go off for you know thirty points in a night. He's been, you know, the the trigger on the jump shot has been fantastic. Awesome. He's been shooting it well. He attacks the rim, although not a great, you know, at the rim shooter, but he, he is necessary to this team. He's, he's very nice in the backcourt pairing um, with Maxi. So it's frustrating because it just caught him back and he, it felt like he had been out forever. Finally getting to see him back on the court. It was refreshing. And then he, you know, hopefully, I mean, it, they don't even know really, I guess they didn't have like an exact injury other than it was left with back spasms and now it's just listed as back. Um, yeah. but I don't know. It, it, that's a bad injury to like, lingering for someone to like take so long to come back and then three games in go have to go out again like that's worrisome for the future yeah and at 25 years old these are things that stick with you so i do feel bad for him and back injuries by the way are not something that it's like you play through really that that's like affects your life it's every step every movement every turn it's not not fun to be dealing with so i definitely feel really bad for him and he is a necessary part of the sixers team that i liked what they were doing with a lot of the three guard lineups with melton saw a bunch of maxi melton and lowry sharing the floor together and it worked for stretches obviously they're they're fighting from behind with some of these matchups but at least that was some versatility that was not otherwise there. Totally agree on the contract side of things. And he's a guy that has turned himself into a very good player that the yeah. three point ability is there. The three point willingness is to a point where I never expected it to be. He can handle it a little bit. He can play make more than he gets credit. He's just a really solid basketball player. We know the defensive ability and that's made him such a seamless fit next to Tyrese Maxey. So definitely prayers up and hope he can return the season and, really sending prayers that this isn't something that's going to hinder his entire career, which I, I do, to be honest, think is probably on the table in these conversations. Yeah. That's a scary thought for him. Hopefully he's, you know, maybe he's back for the playoffs. I don't know. Obviously he's got to take his time with something like this, but um, especially being the second iteration of probably the same injury, that's uh it's probably, it's probably incredibly fresh frustrating for him. So um, hopefully he's back at some point, no pun intended, obviously, but you know, it's uh, it's something where they need him. Like they need him. They need him as much as they need any of these guys. Like a guard, a good point of attack guard defender comes at a premium. They got one at a, a great, you know, contract. And I was hoping that maybe they can extend him as well, give him the the long term peace of mind there. But um, yeah, I feel for the guy. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, speaking of good point of attack defenders, Robert Covington has played 26 games in a Sixers uniform since being traded. I would not have guessed that number whatsoever. I expected way lower. We have not seen him in forever. We finally got a little bit of an update that as of uh, a week ago, we were told three weeks until the ramp up process to return to play that that three week period is what they're targeting. So at this point, we're talking about two weeks until Covington could potentially come back on the floor. What's your level of optimism for what he can bring to the Sixers team? And 
do you think this is a guy that could play significant minutes for this team, not just in the short term, but in the playoff rotation? 100%. I think that he would be like his skill set again is super helpful. Um, just just a savvy, smart guy, great hands. Obviously, he's like much better in an off ball kind of a zone ish uh, defensive player, but he's a guy that in a playoff series can help a lot. Um, obviously, not a great shooter, but definitely willing and can knock down shots when, uh, you know, when he's asked to. He can play that like faux small ball five. He definitely has more experience doing that than like Tobias or uh, Batum or Ricky Council or any of these guys. So um, if he's back before Joel, I, I would imagine that he gets some run in that backup center role. Um, and he's a guy that, you know, next to Joel, having some size, some rebounding, um, just some strength, like just some real, like a real grown ass man, like Robert Covington is. So I, I think he would be fantastic to to have back. It's kind of forget about him at times um, with how long he's been out. I cannot believe 26 games is the number that he's played. I, I genuinely thought it was like 10. Like Same. Yeah. <laughs> I guess he did get traded here pretty early on now that yeah. I'm thinking about it. But yeah, dude, you, you miss him. You miss a guy that, you know, their defense is so bad, so bad right now. They can't stop anybody. Um, so any any strong defender would definitely help. And I think, again, when you look at, the way this team is broken down, the guys that can play best next to Joel, I think that Robert Covington can can elevate himself and play alongside Joel and, and be a really good fit. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean this completely seriously. Like if he's back and healthy, he should be taking a hundred percent of Tobias Harris's minutes. Like he's to my and from my perspective, like tailor made for what they need in the way that Tobias is that he's a willing three point shooter. He's a gunner. He's a guy that's going to put up contested looks, do it in catch and shoot opportunities. And defensively, he's awesome. That even in those 26 games, he was not getting enough of an opportunity, in my opinion. I don't think he's a guy that Nick Nurse particularly loves. But now we're kind of at the point where by default, he's a part of this team that there's other guys, the Marcus Morrises of the world are no longer a piece of the puzzle that there's not other options to play above him. There's still Batum. There's still Tobias, obviously. But I do think Covington's going to be a key part of this team. I hope he's fully healthy because his injury has been very strange as well. No, it's a knee issue somewhat similar to Joel. So hopefully uh, he, uh, at least to our knowledge, did not get surgery or anything like that on it. So excited to see him. And I do think that could be a potential like forgotten piece that matters in the grand scheme of the Sixers team. Yeah, absolutely. He's another guy. Like when you look at wing, having just having wings that can play, um, yeah. he's definitely a useful defensive wing. And every team needs those, especially in the playoffs. You look at the other, you know, other teams that the Sixers are going to have to play in the postseason. You know, Boston, Milwaukee, Miami. You need guys that can rotate and play um, defense on the other wings. So any guy that you can bring in, obviously, it's been a while since he's played, but um, love to have him back. I'm calling it right now. Robert Covington is going to lock up Jason Tatum for one game in the playoffs. Yeah. That there's going to be one game that's going to be the Robert Covington game where Tatum shoots one for 17 from the field. It'd be poetic, dude, for the for a processor like Roko to like yeah. help them win a playoff game. It'd be fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. So Sixers are back in action tomorrow against the Charlotte Hornets. One of these games that is now a must win. And this is yeah. the, the category of team that they are capable of beating. But Charlotte's scrappy. Brandon Miller looks good. You know, they got some pieces there. Think they get it done tomorrow? Yeah, I think that they do. I think that they're they're going to lock in. It's also been like a tough stretch. Like, if we're being completely honest, they've looked terrible. But, like, Milwaukee, Boston, New York twice. Like, they've had teams that are good. Uh, Cleveland, obviously, as well. Yeah, four best like, teams in the East. Four best teams in the East. That they've had a tough stretch here. So, um, I think that they need to keep the intensity up. Obviously, it's 
in Charlotte? Question mark? Uh, I thought it was home. I think it's home. Maybe it is home. Um, great. Go get a win at home against one of the bad teams in the East. And they need it, dude. They need to keep their uh, keep stacking these wins because those other teams are uh, are doing the same. So definitely I think that they're going to be ready and they're going to get a win. Yeah, and it is at home. So hopefully they do get the job done there. Sixers need this one. We'll see what ultimately happens. So a lot to be answered about this Sixers team. Appreciate all you guys for tuning into this one. Make sure you're smashing that subscribe button, dropping a like. Let us know any of your comments in the chat. I'll be sure to get back for you. And uh, once again, appreciate it. Trust the process. I'll be back next time right here on Big Spot Media. <laughs>